Today's word comes from the book of James, letter, chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. Um, If you have your Bibles, please open them up with me and uh, hear now the word of God. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. This is the word of God. Good morning, church. Uh, Hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. And as Pete Dave said, uh, for those who are new and and you're visiting, uh, we're really glad that you're here. And for those who are new, uh, hello, my name is Yosab. I am one of the pastors here on staff. And, uh, you know, to all of our members out there who are home, um, you know, we really, we really do miss you all. You know, um, kind of want to share with you guys a quick story. You know, this past summer, my family received a wonderful gift. It was a 2006 Toyota Highlander with just over 100,000 miles. So it's an old car, but for an old car, that's not that many miles. And the best part was it was free. It was free. And when a car has low miles, but it's you know, it has low miles because it's been sitting for a while. The, the family wasn't really using it. And, uh, you know, it's good because the miles low, but there's also some bad aspects to it from the car sitting. And I talked about it with my wife before receiving this gift because I was like, man, is it worth it? Because, number one, the DMV lines right now are terrible. Uh, but uh, even though the car is free, if we have to spend more than $3,000 fixing it up, I don't know if it's worth it. So we set a budget. I took the car into the shop to see what was wrong with it, and uh, there was uh, the biggest issue was the power handling fuel, uh, the power handling pump needed to be replaced, uh, the axles needed to be replaced. There needed to be a realignment, new ba- new brakes, new battery, and of course we needed an oil change, and all that came out to about three thousand dollars, and I was like, nice. But there was one more thing that I really wanted to fix, but it wasn't a must-fix thing. And what that was was the AC heater unit. This 2006 Toyota Highlander only blew warm air no matter where you set it. And, you know, I did some research online. I looked to the forums, and this was actually a common problem for Highlanders in that generation. And, uh, you know, I'm a car person, I'm really into cars, so I, you know, I kind of looked into it to be like, maybe, you know, I tinkered with cars all the time, maybe this can be fixable. And then I went on to YouTube, and there was this YouTube mechanic who explained exactly how to repair the climate control unit. So Janie and I unscrewed the climate control unit from the Highlander, and there's usually this connection that gets cut off. And that could happen from a big bump or just from where. And when that connection is off, it doesn't know to turn on cold air or hot air, just air. So, uh, you know, we went to AutoZone. We spent $2 on getting a soldering wire. And we fixed it. And we saved $1,198. Uh, 
And we spent $2 fixing this, and it felt great. Today, as we take a look at James, you know, he speaks to us the importance of hearing God's word and doing it. You know, for me, uh, as someone, you know, to hear someone who understood the car, knew how it worked and what it needed to be repaired, I listened to his instructions over and over again to make sure that I would get it right. And it was really incredible when I followed those instructions, when it started working, uh, it was a really great feeling. I think there's layers to this in our lives because there's, there's different parts of us that create our identity. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about, man, what could, what could I preach about in the last Sunday of 2020? And, uh, you know, using James, I thought, man, I think we're in a time period where it's really difficult hearing God's word. As if doing God's word was not hard enough, it becomes more difficult when it becomes difficult hearing it. Um, And the ultimate question that I want to ask our congregation, all of you, is this. Do you really know who you are? Because I think there lies a very important key in that question. And to address that today, I'm going to talk about our makeup. We have three parts. I'm going to talk about the deception that makes it very difficult for us to really grasp who we are. And lastly, I'm going to talk about the power of the gospel and and a gospel community. So, church, will you bow your heads and pray with me? Father God, we, um, we thank you for your word. No matter how difficult it has been to hear it, your word has lasted Your word was preached. And as we hear it again today, Lord, we pray that we would be faithful to it, that we would be transformed by it, that we would be moved by it, and that, as James said, that we would not merely become just listeners, but doers. And Lord, we pray that we cannot do this on our own. We need your help. So Holy Spirit, be with us today. Be with all of us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. According to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, we have three parts. And uh, it reads this. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless. So let's first talk about the physical. And out of the three, that would be our body. And I think this is the aspect of our makeup that we can find maybe the easiest to maintain and address when things aren't right. So for example, if there's something on our body where we have a cut or bruise or it's dirty, we're actually pretty quick to respond to it, right? We'll get a bandage, we'll get some Neosporin, we'll wash it. And perhaps the hardest part of the body is getting it into good shape and keeping it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of joke out there that, you know, through COVID, uh, you know, through the pandemic season, uh, you know, did you gain, you know, 15, 20 pounds or you lost 15, 20 pounds, right? Uh, you leaned one way to another. But isn't it amazing that with some discipline, hard work, and the know-how, the value of what to eat, when to eat, the value of certain exercises and how to do them, and when we listen to it and when we do it properly, our bodies can go through incredible changes. 
like really incredible changes. And if we don't want to go through those in incredible changes, we can mask it, right? The kind of clothes that we wear, there's certain type and styles that we can wear to kind of cover it up. The second part, it's the soul. And we can kind of think of this kind of as our mind, uh, you know, involving our psyche, our reason, our emotions. Uh, basically, it kind of makes up the personality, right? Uh, you know, a lot of people get really surprised when they hear that Pastor Dave is a little bit younger than me. And, and I always tell them, man, P. Dave, you kind of have like an old soul. And what I mean by that is I'm not saying he looks old, but he has the personality, the makeup, the maturity of someone beyond his age. And I think that's a great compliment and a testament to his maturity and his growth. Um, I think to maintain a healthy soul, it's, it's kind of hard, but not hard at the same time, you know. The general mix of being around good community, uh, reading good books, you know, being productive, having a good routine. But COVID made it really difficult to socialize. And not only that, our soul, it gets really impacted by past traumas and hurts and pains. And kind of like clothing, we kind of try to mask when things are not well with our soul, usually with distractions. You know, we distract our minds, um, maybe the food that we eat, and we can always fake it, put a smile on and act like it's okay. And people, when they ask, how are you doing? It's fine. And we can mask it. But haven't we heard testimonies throughout 2020 of how drastically our perspectives can change? And the, you know, it impacts our energy and our mind when we would become really focused and grounded. And lastly, there's the spirit. And I, I was trying to think of a really good way to put this. And um, this was my effort in kind of defining the spirit. I think the spirit is what God created us to have so that it would be a bridge for us to have a relationship with him. You know? Whether that's the different ways that we have an encounter with God or to worship him, he gave us the spirit. It's, it's that part of the three that we have right now that is everlasting, that is eternal. It's of great significance, is that not? And if it's the case, if our spirit is what bridges us to have community and commune with our God, then how we are growing spiritually and how we are doing spiritually, it becomes incredibly important. But I feel like it's most often the one that is forgotten, the one that is neglected. And I think what's important here is why do we get stuck? Why? Is it neglected? And I think one of the major reasons for that is that we have a real enemy out there and his main expertise is deception. He lies. I think our natural tendency is that we want to protect ourselves physically and emotionally from any harm, from any pain. And I think that's natural. And I think we are lied to by the enemy that the worst thing that can hap happen to us is that we get hurt, sick, that we would suffer, and that we would die. Or the next worst thing would be that we're going to get hurt or betrayed by someone really close to us. So we kind of live 
very guarded. Think of how upset you may have become if you have ever experienced where one of your closest friends gossiped behind your back. It, it just it felt awful, did it not? Or maybe you were the gossiper, and that feels awful as well. The pain and hurt when a spouse has an affair. This was my wife or my husband, and they cheated on me. Or the emptiness that feels unrepairable when a child, an infant, a newborn gets abandoned by their parent and is left for adoption or you know, an orphanage. These are some of the most awful experiences and the lies just become more magnified through the brokenness of our world. And the, basically the, the lie is this, the enemy says, this happens to you because you are unlovable. Nobody loves you. My friend who betrayed me must do that to me because he hates me, she hates me. My own spouse betrayed me for another partner. She must hate me because something must be wrong with me. Something must be wrong with her. What wrong did I do as an infant that my parents would just abandon me? I didn't even ask to be born, but I must be unlovable. If any of these lies reside in any of us, let's rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ. Church, if you get caught up in this lie, it affects our soul, it affects our body, because now our spirit is removed from our thoughts, because now we're caught up in these lies. Think about this. I am unloved, so I better become lovable. And I've seen this so many times in men and women, myself included, because I really struggle from uh, the temptation of just being a people pleaser. I want to be approved. I want to be liked. I want to be recognized. But I've seen this especially, you know, uh, in my younger sisters um, and women who, uh, you know, who I, when I see them, they're so amazing, they're so beautiful, uh, and they're daughters of God who were meant to be loved, but they settle for this immature, selfish guy. And the lies of, I'm unlovable, but if this guy says that I'm attractive and that he loves me, maybe that's the closest I'll get, or maybe that'll become better. So I've seen young people act a certain way, changing the way they act, the way that they behave, the way that they flirt, the way that they dress. And even though it makes us feel empty, I see them either keep repeating that cycle or they crash and burn. They shut down. It does not feel good to be stuck in this lie that we're unlovable. But church, this isn't the greatest lie. And today's focus is that the greatest lie is that, yes, there is an enemy out there, but there's also an enemy who is in here, and that's myself. I imagine the pain of suffering and being betrayed, but I feel like, honestly, all of that will pale in comparison to when I am at the end of my life 
and I stand in front of God, and I realize that I was not who I thought I was. I think that could be one of the most tragic things that could happen to anybody. The ultimate lie, church, is that we are also deceivers of ourselves. And what the enemy does is the enemy tries to blame other things. And I notice that when I'm not careful, when I'm selfish, when I'm not in the word and being obedient, I tend to forget who I am. And nothing has been more damaging in my life than when I am deceiving myself. The Bible says in James 1, 22 to 24, that we ought to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if the hearer of the word is not a doer, he is like a man who intently looks at the natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Are you a doer of the word? I love, I love how, you know, I love how he doesn't say, do you do some of God's work, but are you a doer? There is an identity attached to this. Are you a doer of God's word? Or are you merely, merely a listener, a hearer, who deceives yourself? I think that's a very important question for us to ask. To take comfort in the fact that you have heard God's word and that you're familiar with God's word, but you haven't done it, is to deceive yourself. I'm sure we can go way back, but let's just take 2020, this past year. In 2020, have you heard the word of God, but more imp importantly, what did you do with it? When COVID hit, did something surface in your life? Did you realize something about yourself I ask you this because I surely did. I learned a lot about myself this year. When some people started getting sick and the pandemic started in March and it got really ramped up in April, I was listening to a lot of the news and I did something. I went out, I bought some emergency food, I bought water, toiletries, masks. And then when some of us got sick, we listened to the experts, we got tested, we stayed home unless it got so bad that we had to go to the hospital. We washed our hands like we never washed our hands before and we've never used so much hand sanitizers in our entire lives. We did something about it. And I'm just showing that we are good at being doers when it comes to our physical well-being. When we look in the mirror, what are you looking for? Is my hair okay? Do I have any eye crust or is there something stuck in my teeth? Is there a pimple? And if there is something, we try to quickly address it. But when was the last time you really looked into the mirror and looked past all that superficiality and really looked at yourself and said, do, you, do I know who I am? And I'm willing to bet that for some of us, it's been a really long time. What about when COVID put strains on your mind financially or relationally with your family or relationally with yourself because you live alone? Were your first thoughts to address it directly? 
Financially, maybe. But for me, as soon as things got a little bit tense in the household, it was pretty tough. And the question is, how did you respond? What did you do? Well, when I felt some tensions at home, I distracted myself with more work. So I worked harder with church stuff. Or I filled my mind with distractions from YouTube, Netflix, bought stuff on Amazon, played games on my phone or on the computer. I just distracted myself. And it, it, and it felt to me in that moment that it would be so exhausting to address the relational tension, but I learned from my past. I'd rather be tired than fall into a hole of despair and hopelessness. How did COVID impact and affect your worship? Here's a big one, because now we're distracted from even hearing God's word. And we have to hear God's word in a different way. It's, it's not what we're used to. Most of us are not used to online worship. How many of us right now who are at home or wherever you are, how many of you are distracted right now? Right? You're worried about your fantasy football or basketball team. What are you going to eat for lunch? Some of you are eating breakfast and lunch right now. Some of, us, you, some of us are doing work. Some of us are trying to maximize our efficiency. You're cleaning the house and you're doing, and we're struggling. We're, we're being like Martha. Why? Because it's convenient. When we, all met, when we all met at church all together, when there was over 100 of us, it was a lot harder to be distracted. But now, we're at the convenience of being home. For so many of us, hearing God's word became more difficult, and I can't imagine that being helpful for any of us of being doer of God's word. As soon as the sermon is over or after the benediction, how many of us kind of snap back right into doing or being doers of other things? I know I feel like that at times too. Like the staff we share sometimes, right after the sermon, we're like, oof. It's like, okay, when's the next one? <laughs> uh, it's not about, okay, God, like, thank you, and I want to glorify. It's just, what's the next one? And when we are not doers of God's word and we're thinking about all these outer things, Jesus says that we are building our house on sand. And you know what? We can build a nice house on sand, but ultimately, when there is a storm, it will collapse. And church, I want to ask you this. Did you notice I asked all of you, how did you respond when COVID did this to you financially, to you physically, to you relationally. And I did that on purpose because for me, this is what I learned. It wasn't COVID that caused all those reactions and responses from me. It was myself. COVID just revealed it. I really appreciated our Christmas worship when Ben shared his testimony. I never met him. Ben, I'm... Really hope to meet you soon. And the part of the testimony that gave me goosebumps and that I really just uh, got humbled was in his testimony when he said, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 
I'm sorry. Isn't it interesting that a form of repentance tends to come first when we are face to face with ourselves and with God. And when we're doing so genuinely and that he said that there was this great peace that came and we don't have to lie to ourselves anymore. We don't have to be somebody else anymore. And P. Dave shared the gospel with him. And what did he say? The gospel, you know, it flips the lie upside down and it says, no, you are already loved. Not because you did anything worthy, not because you deserve it, but because God just loves you first. He first loved us. And of course, when our identity is just, just tangled, of course we won't be doers of God's word. But yet, isn't it so beautiful that God fights for us? Last year I visited Argentina and I met one of the missionaries there and he was giving me an advice and I'll never forget it. You know what he said? He said, so Yosef, you want to come to Argentina to do God's work here, huh? Well, if you want to do it well and you want to do it right, be prepared to get on your knees often to pray and to cry. And I was like, ooh, this guy seems a little bit overdramatic, but I think I understand him a lot more and a lot better today. It's when I realize who I really am, and it's me getting in the way and me deceiving myself uh, of doing God's word. That's when I realize that I cry for help. Just like Ben did. And it's when I cry for help, God's rescue is close, and I see it. But then I remember what I was like to him. I was his enemy. And I don't feel like I deserve his rescue. And this is the part where humility and repentance comes in very early on. Just like when Ben said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And that's when Jesus lifts our hearts. He shows us the cross, his love for us. And we're like, wow, this kind of love, it's otherworldly. It's, it's, it's unlike any other. And I loved when Ben asked P. Dave, so did I have an encounter with God or was that just my emotions? When our spirit makes contact with our God, our whole being experiences it. And that's why P. Dave said, no, that was an encounter with God. And maybe many of us experienced this a long time ago. But maybe over time, we neglected and we forgot and instead of becoming, growing in our spirituality and being doers of God's word, we became merely hearers of God's word. The lie is that we are unlovable and the worst thing that can happen to us is pain and suffering and abandonment. But scripture tells us otherwise, that God will never leave us or forsake us. That he first loves us. James 1, you know, chapter Chapter 1, 2 to 4 says that we should count it all as joy when we meet suffering. So it's not that suffering is the worst thing that can happen, but no, it's, it's, it's good. Because it will test our faith and it will produce steadfastness or the process of building upon the rock as opposed to the sand. And the truth is this, church. God knows exactly who you are. 
But the issue is, do you? Do I? Judas betrays uh, Jesus, and he didn't have this truth. He wanted a savior against Rome, and then he thought he wanted riches and silver, and then he ended up taking his own life, never really understanding himself, understanding Christ, and he let Satan deceive him to think that he was unforgivable, unworthy of grace and mercy. Whereas Peter, who also betrayed Jesus, that's a whole different story, isn't it? Imagine the pain that Joseph felt when his, brothers, his own brother sold him as a slave. But he did not lose sight of who he really is or who God is while, you know, and he, he was a doer of God's word. And he did this in jail. He did this when Potiphar's wife was being all crazy and then he got back into jail. And then later on he meets his brothers and he's able to forgive them. Why? Not because he was a good guy, but because he understood his identity. He understood the forgiveness that he received. He understood God's love and his love for Joseph. So he was able to do that. When we have a clearer understanding of who we really are, we can more clearly see who God is to us and his purpose for us. And I think that's where the sweet spot is. Because it's from there we get the confidence that comes from Christ and we become real doers of God's word. And I want, and I want us to kind of understand the shift. Church, when this happens, the driver of our life, when we don't know who we are, is our soul. It's, it's our ambitions, uh, our, our thoughts, our emotions, right? Our, our goals. But as soon as the Holy Spirit fills us, the driver goes from our soul, myself, to the Holy Spirit because he fills us. Do you feel filled with the Holy Spirit? If not, how long has it been? Now, if you notice, I didn't quite define what doer of God's word does. But it will most likely look like you and me partaking in finishing the Great Commission, you know, leading our family well, our church, our local community, loving the weak, the orphans, the widows. Uh, but that will come by itself. My challenge in this sermon is for us to really ask and sit in front of a mirror and be honest with ourselves. Do you know who you really are? And the beautiful thing is, when we do, James 1.25 says, when, the, when a doer acts, he will be blessed in his doing, in his being, in all that he does. There will be blessings. And I'll, and I'll close with this. You know, I feel like in our church right now, if there's any worth, anything worth doing together, collectively, as a church, I think it's this. Um, I think we need to reach and embrace one another. And not just keep each other company for, you know, not to be lonely socially, but help us to face the reality of who we really are. 
and uh, you know, uh, you know, we're calling this the E chord groups, and we're and I'm nervous and excited at the same time uh, to kind of launch this um, really soon. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna have everyone in our church be put into groups of three, and even if you're not part of our church, we have a church center. Uh, registration. We want to include you too. If you've been attending our service, we want to include you. But we're going to create a court of three. And, you know, <laughs> I'm going to ask you, how easy was it to read the Bible through this pandemic and through 2020? It was probably not that easy for a lot of us. Maybe for some of you, it, it was not so bad. But think about it. How hard is it then to do more or to do anything or be a doer and to understand who we really are? Because if it wasn't that hard, I think this world would be a lot better place. I think our church would look a little different. But the reality is, it's different. Why? Because the deceiver is so good. He doesn't let us think that we are deceiving ourselves, but he points to other things. And I think this is a really big reason why God gave us his son, and that he made him the head of our church, and that he gave us this church. Let us be a church who are hearing God's word, reading it and studying it together, applying it, praying, sharing, doing whatever it takes so that we have a real understanding in our part with God. And I want to ask Christy and the priest team to come up. And my prayer and my heart is this. Let's cast out the lies in our lives and let's, let's rebuke it. Let's rebuke it. And we're sick of this identity that we're putting up front on. And let's find ourselves again and become doers of God's work. And if you are one who are already doing God's work, then you know especially how important this is and the impact that it will have. But we will be stronger if we do this together. So church, this this sermon was not for us to reflect on 2020 to shame you, to be like, see, you didn't read the Bible enough or you didn't do enough. It, that, that's not what it was about. But it was to show maybe a glimpse of a better understanding of our real nature. And in that nature that we see that, wow, Christ came because he knew something. We really need him. We've always needed him. But we've deceived ourselves long enough. Church, will you bow your heads with me? Father God, it sounds ridiculous when we hear that, man, how can someone look in the mirror and then walk away and forget what they look like? Yet it was no exaggeration. Spiritually, that is what is happening to your church all the time. Because there is a lie embedded deep in our hearts and our soul. And Lord, we as a church, we want to stand against it. Because we believe in the power of the gospel. We believe in the power of the resurrection. We believe in the power in the truth of the peace that comes in the new life that you offer us. May we see that there is nothing better for my family, for my church, 
for my workplace, for my calling, that for me to have a clear understanding of who I am and who you are to me. Father, we repent. We repent for our shortcomings. We repent for our distractions and all of these things. But Lord, you received Peter when he betrayed you. And we saw that the, the true nature of Peter in that moment was that he was a coward. He was selfish. Yet you still loved him. And your promises was that you're not going to stay that way. I'm going to perfect you. You will not remain a pebble, but you will become a rock. Lord, may we not be ashamed, but may we have confidence because of the one who came to redeem us. And because it is in him and through him, may that confidence lead us, teach us, grow us to become and constant doers of God's word. We've listened and we've been distracted enough. Lift our hearts, lift our heads. Encourage and be with your church once again, Holy Spirit. 2021, COVID or not, other obstacles and catastrophes or not, sufferings, abandonments, betrayals, physical pains, emotional pains, or not, we will be, as a church, doers of God's word, and we will strive to give you the glory. We thank you, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.